Thanks, Steve. So hello and welcome to a slightly different version of the podcast that I normally do. Uh, we are on a shameless promotional plug for something called Purple Socks Day, which we're going to promote heavily over the next few weeks, which is a fantastic organization and charity and cause, which I'm going to let Andrew talk about. And we thought, well, actually, who better before we introduce you to lots of really cool guests with their own brilliant business story and everything else to tell. Then the the founder of it all and all almost share his story and everything else as well. So if you join us for the next kind of 30, 40 minutes, if you drop a message, it should pop up on my screen. I'd love to say hello. And hopefully, yeah, if you come with us and just discover more about Andrew and Pebble Sock Day and what it's all about and what we're trying to achieve, uh, hopefully it'll be a really interesting conversation. So Andrew, how are you? How's your Monday been? Yeah. Hi, Steve. Well, thank you for inviting me on. Uh, yeah. Good Monday so far. Uh, as ever, uh, the day goes far too quickly. But uh, yeah, it's been a good start to the week. So I, I love, for me, it's all about transparency and honesty. And I love that, that that's my personal take on things. So we've been planning this for about a month, month and a half. And I've been involved in one way or another with Pebble Sock Day and yourself for about a year or so. Uh, but for people that might not have discovered you so far, would you be happy to give a quick kind of uh, 60 second intro on who you are, where you're from, the kind of stuff that you do just to kind of set the scene? Yeah, of course. So, um, so my goodness. So I uh, grew up um, in uh, in the East Midlands, a little tiny county called Rutland. So for all of you that are very keen on trivial pursuits, it's the smallest county in England. So there you go. Um, and uh, and actually, the, the county motto is multum in parvo, much in little, which I think has, um, you know, probably defined actually much of my journey. You know, really, you know, I've always been on the side of the underdog, always looking for something there and a, a real belief that there's a potential uh, and an adventure in, in almost anything. Um, I had a really happy childhood. Um, I grew up in a little tiny village called Edith Weston uh, in, uh, in, in this county of Rutland. And uh, so the nearest big metropolis would be somewhere like Peterborough or Leicester, just to put that into context. But I had a really happy childhood. Um, you know, my mum, a farmer's daughter, very working class. Uh, you know, she was a cleaning lady. Uh, my dad was from the northeast, from Sunderland, and uh, he was a cook. Um, so and he was posted to Rutland, uh, RAF North Luffnam. So he was a cook on the on the airbase, and he fell in love with the countryside and decided to make a life there. So um, I grew up. I'm the I'm an only child. So um, you know I'm very very comfortable uh, in my own company. Um, but I love love uh, socialising and company as well. Um, I was blessed with a, a great ability to be good at sport. Um, and despite my sort of fairly modest and working class background, I was lucky enough to get a sports scholarship uh, at, a, at a local uh, private school called Oakham School. Wow. Um, and um, yeah, which was great. So I spent, uh, you know, some happy years there taking my what was then O and A levels. And um, yeah, and uh, and was able to continue my love of sport. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then that uh, took me off into my next adventure um, into uh, into adulthood, basically. I was going to say, I thought the whole interview was going <laughs> to, it would have been the easiest <laughs> gig ever. You just talk for half an hour, be brilliant. <laughs> but so you have, you wear lots of different hats for lots of different organizations. Would you be happy to just give a quick summary on what those are? Yeah. Uh, so my, um, you know, I talked about going off into adulthood. You know, I was... Uh, 
uh, you know, and I think there was probably part of the reason I grew up in a really tiny environment, you know, very, very small, very tiny. And I just had this real wanderlust at a very early age and I wanted to see the world. Um, so uh, and that's what really took me off in my, uh, you know, sort of first uh, first sort of uh, entry into the into the world of work, really. So I did uh, I did pretty well at my exams, um, you know, got a place at uni, but I took a year out um, and that was in France. I went to work for a company called Canvas Holidays, who are one of the pioneers. I, I think hopefully we might talk about entrepreneurship um, a little bit later, Steve. But this was a great entrepreneur, Scottish entrepreneur who created the first, I suppose, posh camping. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, I went to work for them over in France and I loved it. So um, I deferred my year for another year and stayed in France for another year and eventually just didn't go back uh, at all or enter into further education. And that's where I kind of forged my path. So I lived in France for, my goodness, getting on for about four, four years or so. Um, my French isn't too bad or wasn't too bad then anyway. Uh, then I got a job for Qantas Airways, continuing my love of travel, um, you know, and uh, sort of worked my way into sales and marketing uh, and it, that really satisfied my wanderlust. And I saw a lot of the world, very fortunately, as a result of being a, an employee for an airline. Um, and uh, yeah, and then briefly, that took me into the world of uh, entertainment travel. Um, and I left Qantas to join a, an agency that specialised in um, travel for bands on the road and film crews and that kind of thing. That's quite cool. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, and that's where I met my wife now, Claudia. Um, and um, yeah, and so um, we very, in very quick succession, really, we kind of, uh, we got married, we then decided we'd set up a, a, a business together, which was an events business called Innovision. Um, and we did that in very, very, uh, very quick succession. And we've been running our events business now called Innovision for my goodness, getting on for about 27, 28 years. Wow. Um, but then a few years ago, which I think is probably the main thrust of our conversation today, um, you know, we created uh, Parallel um, as well, um, which, uh, um, yeah, which we've been running now for uh, for many, many years. Um, so on Parallel, then, and we'll come back to the other stuff, because I don't want to gloss over some of the, you will have learned so much in 27 years of business, especially also working with your wife. I'm not sure I mean Lisa would be able to do that. So that's a talent in itself. Um, but would you be happy to both, before we go on to these, um, go on a bit more about the organization, what you do, who you work with and what why you exist? Yeah, so um, I set up Parallel um, really off the back of, of, a, of a couple of things, really. Um, one was um, our business, which I mentioned earlier, called Innovision. And one of our, I suppose, our biggest clients at the time was Red Bull. Um, and we did all of the, you know, lots of brilliant things for Red Bull. You know, I talked about underdogs earlier, and it was, it was so exciting working for Red Bull many years ago because they were, you know, a really exciting company, you know, created a whole new category and doing some really exciting things. And pushing the envelope out there. And it was uh, really, really exciting and exhilarating. Um, but actually, um, you know, possibly a more um, li little known fact about Red Bull is that they actually underwrite a spinal cord research charity called Wings for Life. Wow. Um, and that was really driven by their owner, who sadly passed away just, a, I don't know, a year and a half ago, Dietrich Mateschitz. Um, one of his good friends, his son had a, had a, a road accident and spinal injury. So he was driven to set up a spinal cord research charity called Wings for Life. 
and um, um, Red Bull, of course, being Austrian, and they wanted to set up their charity in the UK. And so um, I guess I was asked to see whether I could help them uh, to with their event strategy and their fundraising. And I guess, Steve, if I'm honest, it, you know, when one of your biggest clients asks you for a little bit of a favour, it's quite difficult to say no. So, but actually I went into that eyes wide open and I learned an awful lot. Not only, of course, learned an awful lot about spinal cord research, but I, you know, came across some individuals, a community, a whole world, which I had previously not really known or uh, really knew about. And it really opened my eyes and ears and um, and it really made me stop and think about the world of disability mm -hmm. and the disabled community. Um, and then, you know, kind of off, on the back of that as well, um, you know, not, not at the same time, but maybe a couple of years later, my my, my dad, who sadly, um, you know, passed away as a result of that, um, had Parkinson's and, you know, and it's, uh, it's that, that's a really cruel, progressive disease. And, uh, you know, and uh, and obviously as his uh, as he physically declined, he became more and more disabled and more and more reliant on wheelchair mobility aid and uh and of course you know um that really uh you know had a mark on me and i have to say you know um you know first-hand experience of you know that social model of disability so many barriers in society that uh you know that kind of prevent you so it really drove me to um you know to try and create um uh, a movement uh a brand um, that could tackle some of our societal problems around disability. Um, but, to, but importantly for me to do this in a way that was really positive, you know, so I didn't really want to focus on, you know, on, on the, uh, on the negative side, mm -hmm. because there are lots of really great organizations already doing that in terms of the world of activism and charity and lobbying. Uh, but I really wanted to, you know, have a really good creative outlet mm -hmm. to really focus on the positive aspects of disability and disabled people um, and to create events and campaigns that can really help help to tackle some of our societal issues. And it also allowed me, Stephen, I wish social enterprise was more of a thing when I was a lot younger. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of social enterprise, you know, that balance of profit and purpose, mm -hmm. uh, creating businesses that are sustainable, but actually are really driven by purpose and doing good in society. And uh, so that was my driver for how I set up Parallel as a social enterprise with a social mission to support deaf, disabled and neurodiverse communities to be free to live life to the full in mainstream society. So that's broadly, um, you know, what was my sort of motivation and driving force for setting up Parallel. Oh, cool. And hello to Apricorn in Thailand as well. She always tunes in. Um, so I've got to ask, hello. so how long has that been? Since you first set so, up Parallel? Um, so actually Parallel was a twinkle in my eye. Um, would you believe that would have, would have been back in 2011. Wow, um, so 12 years. Yeah, 12, so, years. Uh, yeah so quite quite a while ago. And um, uh, and at that time, it was a busy time, actually, in London, the UK. It was the Olympics. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, so um, and with our event business, we were actually really busy. Um, so it's just having the headspace and the bandwidth and importantly for lots of other stakeholders to have the bandwidth. Mm -hmm. um, so um, so I had the idea. Um, I remember vividly, um, uh, you know, having a half an hour coffee 
uh, with the then president of the IPC, the International Paralympic Committee, a great guy called Phil Craven. So Phil Craven, good, good northern lad, you know, who became the president of the IPC. Um, wonderful man. And I managed to get a half an hour cup of coffee with him, wow. uh, you know, and uh, ran the idea of parallel um uh you know by him and uh and he gave me some salutary some brilliant advice actually because at that point i wanted to create a really major flagship event which uh, perhaps i can chat yeah, about a little bit more um and um but he gave me some great advice he said whatever you do you know don't make it exclusively about disability you've mm -hmm. got to make it about everybody and he was absolutely um, spot on as well. So anyway, off that advice, um, I formed um, Parallel and that would have been in 2013, um, Steve. And then it took us uh, another, my goodness, three years to plan and launch our first major event, um, which was Parallel London mm -hmm. 2016 um, in the uh, in the Olympic Park. Wow. And just thank you to Rob, a guy called Robert Farrell, that I know pretty well has shared the link to the website on the, the main feed there's the link to buy socks as well but he makes the point which i agree with is that the you're a little bit older than i am but you know we've both met a lot of people um in careers and life and whichever and i think it's it's either that you choose to gravitate to people that you align with values wise which i know i do i think some of it's conscious some of it's subconscious but actually, it's funny, I do genuinely feel that more people now have a social bent on what they do and they actually care more about um, society and having a wider good on stuff than maybe, you know, they did in the past. That could be a personal thing. But also for me, me personally, it was that element of where, so I grew up in the Northwest, as you know, so in Liverpool and I was raised by a single parent. And the first 30, 35 years of my life were largely about getting to myself to a point where you know you kind of had a good job and you had a house and getting all the stuff that you want to do and absolutely for anyone that should be your your goal and I think it was, it was a certain point when I, when I was content and we had everything we needed that you know people always say that you should put your own oxygen mask on first but almost it's then that point where for me I was so I started the, the roadmap and again, we're a social impact business ourselves, but it's, it's now my life fulfillment has nothing to do with me. Like it does cause I run it, but almost, but it's about the social good and that kind of thing. So I, I'm not even sure how, do you remember how we first met or what the first introduction was? I, I genuinely can't remember. I can't, I think we, were we, I think were we introduced, Steve, I think we might've been introduced. Um, it could have been cats from some... seated sewing, but I can't remember. I think, I think it might have been Kat from Seated Sewing who made that kind introduction. And um, yeah, and I, I remember that we had a a brilliant, um, and I still remember it vividly. We had a brilliant conversation, mm -hmm. didn't we? And we talked a lot about, you know, the state of the education system. And then we, uh, yeah, we talked uh, then about Ken Robinson. So and, you beat me you know, to it. I was going to bring Ken yeah. back up, who sadly died yeah. a few years ago. But also I did some digging. So on, on Ken, so... Do you want to explain to the audience, if not I can do it, about who Ken Robinson is and what he looked to do? I'm happy to do, do the honours if you don't want to. Or... Well, I, I, I will. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a go, uh, see. But I think uh, I know, you know, your propensity for for research and everything. So I think, but Ken Robinson, uh, I had, I had the great um, joy. So, so basically, Ken Robinson to this day uh, is the most watched TED Talk of all time. Um, and he has three, isn't and. It? 
yeah and exactly and uh, so if anybody listening or, or or listen if you've got 15 20 minutes you know does creativity kill schools um uh you know it is absolutely brilliant um it's it's quite old but still stands the test of time and ken um was a great um pioneer in the education system um he had a a real strong belief that the the education system was just not fit for purpose and he's quite right in my view you know that we are all you know sort of learning by rote um but actually importantly you know it's a one size fits all system you know and it's not designed to make the most or to benefit or support us as individuals mm -hmm. and so when we're talking about of course about disability or learning disability um you know that's uh, you know that's very um very important so uh so ken was a, a great a great um thinker about the education system he was an absolute passionate advocate for creativity mm -hmm. uh, and the power of creativity um you know and and its importance um in society um and actually i think i'm right but um you know which sadly never saw the light of day but i think in the time of tony blair's government i think um you know he they commissioned ken to write a white paper on the future of the education system which he did but uh uh, sadly was never adopted um but um yeah uh, but i had the great fortune and pleasure because of my uh you know um working in the world of events of working with ken um and it still makes the, the hairs on the back of my neck stand on um, actually and i think he was basically it was probably about a couple of years before his seminal talk at that ted talk where he was road testing that talk at an event that we um, we're producing at the time for an advertising agency called McCann Erickson. And there are very few times when, you know, a speaker just makes an entire production crew just stop and just, you know, just look, listen. And and that was a moment. He was a, he was a, a brilliant man. Hopefully I've done him justice, Steve. You, you, you know, um, you have, but the thing that got me was that with, so I'd never met you and you were introduced from a friend. But then you were telling me about this guy, Ken Robertson. I did my homework, I read his book, and did all of the usual stuff, looked at the press cuttings, watched his TED Talks. So this is a guy that became world famous to try and revolutionise education. You know, he had an idea, he had a mission he wanted to do. But he also grew up about four miles from where I did. And recently I was with my mum driving through Liverpool, and my mum's first ever night out was at the end of his street. And it's near Goodison Park, near the Everton Stadium. But what kind of blew my mind was that Ken sadly died in about four years ago now. It was kind of mid-COVID. Um, and actually, unbeknownst to him or me, one of the big things that we'd started at the same time to the roadmap was trying to revolutionize edu education. And it was just, it was just incredible that someone, that guy could have been from anywhere in the world. He could have been from America or India or anywhere, but he wasn't. But it was someone from a relatively poor part of Liverpool, just had passion. As you say, you know, from small things, great things happen. And it was just, it really kind of inspired me to really try to take that forward. And then just to fast forward that story, for a long time, I looked into how could we also take his mission on to create customizable education. And I did a whole MVP of a new product and what we were looking to do so that you could give his dream to help customize for us business education. But just as I was about to launch, uh, AI and ChatGPT launched, and that's just a lot better. So because that will take off massively over the next few years ken's dream will still happen but the point was I'm, I'm a big fan of talking to people that you're recommended to 
but also just going down different rabbit holes for inspiration because it's incredible what's out there. And it just, I, I really love the fact that this guy was from my hometown, like, you know, it, it, crazy. Uh, and although he sadly died, it was, you know, we're trying to fulfill his mission to make business education accessible as well. But anyway, so would you like to talk more about parallel, the events you do, um, socks, purple sock day, that kind of thing? No, absolutely. And and just a final point as well on, sorry, Steve, on, on, on Ken as well, which uh, again, which is, you know, Ken was also uh, had a disability, you know, he contracted polio at a young age. And, uh, you know, so again, you know, perhaps, you know, I'll, I'll touch on later, you know, is that, uh, you know, there is so much talent out there, um, you know, disabled talent um, that, uh, you know, that are really helping, that has helped to shape our world and our thinking and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, we need to support mm-hmm. uh, more of that, which is part of the work we do at Parallel. But yes, um, so the the first thing I wanted to do with uh, our work at Parallel, you know, to serve our um, our social mission, I guess, was to start what I know best. And uh, and that's how to put on a really big event, um, uh, uh, you know, because I'm also a real passionate advocate of the power of live communication, live events, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. sort of visceral, emotional connection. Um, you know, there's nothing, nothing quite like it. If it's drums. done in the right way. Whenever you hear drums... <laughs> It's the yeah. reverberation you just don't get through speakers. Yeah, with without question, you know, it's you know there is something you're quite right, something quite tribal and visceral, um, you know, about it that that you know is 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 unforgettable. Um, so I wanted to create a real event at scale, um, but put putting disability um, inclusion at the heart of that experience. Um, but instead of making that experience, you know, sort of charitable or worthy or pitiful, you know, often, you know, the the very lazy tropes, I suppose, in the world of disability, I wanted to make the experience, you know, really surprising and cool and innovative and uplifting, um, you know, and, uh, you know, and really, really spotlight, uh, you know, the joyful aspect and the joyful nature of the disabled community but again in you know remembering echoing my ears the world of phil the words of phil craven just to make this event for everybody you know so it's an event with disability inclusion at its heart but it's for absolutely everybody so um so created the event the format was a festival uh, call it our festival of inclusivity so lots of different themed environments you know music and storytelling and active lifestyle and you know um you know just as you would expect in any any festival um, and then running alongside of that, um, we had uh, we have a series of challenge events or mass participation. Um, so we have a five and a 10K. We have a 1K. We have um, um, uh, 100 meters. And we also created something quite unique to us, which is a super sensory 1K. So uh, if you imagine a 1K in every 100 meters, there's a sensory activity. And that's very much designed for uh, neurodiversity mm-hmm. or autism or profound multiple learning disabilities. And, uh, you know, so th- so and the reason for doing that and so many distances is that hopefully there's something there for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our, our motto is start together, finish whenever. So the emphasis is very much on having a go. It's not about winning. Um, it's just about, you know, just getting out there, getting active, getting social. Um, and also we also wanted to support lots of different charities so many charities uh, come into our event and use our event as a platform for charitable fundraising as well so I'm really proud of the fact 
Um, you know, we've run, my goodness, what, four parallels mm -hmm. now, um, you know, and, uh, you know, worked with well over 100 charities and helped uh, raise, um, you know, in the region of about one and a half million pounds as well for those charities. So, uh, which is really great. So, um, so that's, that's our event. Um, very, uh, you know, obviously, we, uh, we've had a bit of a hiatus because of, um, uh, you know, COVID and, and all of that, but we have a new home now. Um, which is in the Windsor Great Park. Um, and so we staged our first event uh, in the Windsor Great Park just uh, um, just a, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, really su successful. It um, was July, just so you know, it's now October. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry, gosh. I I, the know, year time, is going fast. Flying. Yeah, true. I know, my goodness, my goodness. You're right, Steve. Um, so, but it was our first event in the Windsor Great Park. I've got huge amounts of gratitude to the Crown Estate who have really warmly embraced us, um, you know, and I'm still pinching myself. We have such a beautiful location. Mm -hmm. We're on the long walk, the backdrop of the Windsor Castle. Uh, and it's a really, you know, and, and again, it really lends itself for a really sort of memorable occasion. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's where we stage uh, stage event. And, uh, and again, my hope uh, there is to get more and more brands involved. Um, you know, I'm a great believer that if we can get more and more really cool brands standing shoulder to shoulder with disability, it's really powerful. And that that is, um, you know, my view, much more powerful than a government campaign or a lobbying, whatever. If you can get really get the cool guys standing shoulder to shoulder with disability, then, you know, that's going to gonna change some attitudes and behaviours. For so, me, as long as it's done the right way, not just for the photo opportunity. Yeah. It, it you know it's that element of just uh i i, I think people now understand it in a way that but it, it's that it I, I i call it my bullshit meter but it's almost where you do get people that greenwash things that say they've done something for the sake of it but they're not actually doing you know the, the hard yards if that makes sense um it makes complete yeah it sorry to interrupt you i mean it makes complete sense and i something i call you know sort of uh, culture over campaign you know and and you know and you want to be working with brands where you know there are certain values embedded into their culture rather than it just being a one-off campaign which is you know an advertising campaign or whatever where you know they portray a certain message or a story or a narrative but it's really very very short-sighted and and broadly very much focused on you know sales or or whatever so i couldn't agree more and we're really lucky to be working with you know uh, a number of brands uh with parallel who you know who are authentic they really care um make us as well be as good as we possibly can be as mm -hmm. well you know it's very much a two-way thing and um you know but um but you're absolutely right uh there is still far too much you know greenwashing or you know or, or whatever you know in whatever campaign or, or or brands uh just associating just for a for a moment rather than uh for a lifetime really and then would you like to tell people about these yes some purple socks so um so the whole point with parallel is to create a whole series of um events and campaigns you know so the last thing i wanted to do was to create another event business you know as you can see by my uh, my 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 hair you know i've uh, i've done enough events um, steve but uh, so but i wanted to create uh, some more campaigns that could tackle um other aspects um you know within the disabled community so um so i was looking at the International Day of Disabled People, which is on the 3rd of December. 
Um, it's one of the you know many UN observance days. Uh, so it's an international, it's a global observance days. It's been running since 1992. Um, and it's been getting um, more and more pick up here in the UK, um, you know, um, and not too bad, but mainly the main focus has been very corporately driven, yeah, um, which is no bad thing, of course, but I wanted to try and create something that wouldn't necessarily cannibalize that campaign or, you know, campaigns of that corporate engagement, but to, to create something that was really simple, a simple act of mass participation that could get more public engagement with um with that day well there's a so, famous again, one with noses so if we throw that one out there well uh, i have to say and and i've got a whole gratitude i did actually chat to a number of people who had worked on red nose day um as part of my business planning and my ideas for purple uh soft day and i i am unashamedly you know, a lofty ambition, Steve. I want Purple Sock Day to be the Red Nose Day for disability. You know, I'm unashamedly. Well, it's more sustainable um, because you, know. you can wear them all year round, and I have several pairs of these. But I, but the point well, is, and also no plastic is the other yeah, benefit. Exactly. Not to bash. No, exactly. The, it's yeah. uh, it you 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 you're you're quite right. Um, so uh, so I did do my due diligence, and I did chat to a number of people who had worked or you know part of the early part of that campaign. And I thought, well, you know, what's a simple act of mass participation that most people do every day? And if you ask them to do it, it's not going to take them too much out of their daily routines. So, of course, most of us put on a pair of socks every day, mm -hmm. uh, purple um, being the colour most associated with disability, certainly here in the UK. So the idea of Purple Sock Day was born. Uh, you know, so the idea of asking people to buy and wear uh, a pair of our purple socks um, and then uh, obviously share pictures of themselves on social media, um, you know, to amplify that message. But part of that um, thinking was that that's all well and good, but why, why would people wear purple socks? There has to be a reason, you know, there has to be a bit of social impact. Mm -hmm. And there are many things um, I want to tackle. And one of them is to see how we can further support entrepreneurship for disabled talent and i thought that this could be a really good beneficiary for this campaign um so um i thought to myself okay the next thing i need is a really really great sock partner who make great socks who make their socks in a really ethical and sustainable way and i'm very very lucky that i a good friend of mine uh is uh, dave gordon mm -hmm. who um is the founder of bam and uh, they are a fantastic activewear company. Make uh, and and Dave was a, has been a real pioneer for sustainable clothing, and actually one of the early adopters for making clothes from bamboo. And he's um, a guest in about two weeks. <laughs> he is indeed, and he's got a great story. Um, he's got a great story and a great man. And um, so, and and Dave, in a heartbeat, really wanted to support the campaign. Um, he really wanted to support um, um, disabled entrepreneurs. So there was our SOP partner. So so basically the piece of the puzzle is that, that BAM essentially uh, make um, all of our socks at cost. They don't make any, any profit or anything, um, <clears throat> which enables us to retail our socks, um, you know, at a, an affordable price for most people. So this year it's at six pounds. And then what we do, Steve, is that we ring fence 50% of the proceeds to go into a fund that can then support 
um, the journeys for budding disabled entrepreneurs uh, in terms of their business and their business education um, as well. And then we reinvest everything else uh, to buy more socks uh, for the following year. And that's also where we come in. Because it was one of the big things that I, when we had our first conversation, I instantly got it. And I could instantly see the link that I'm going to ask you in a second about how and why do you think it's important to nurture that talent? But my, from a, a selfish point of view, I know firsthand what it's like to grow up and you can't access things. I know a lot of people with the cost of living and everything else, they have kids to feed, they have energy bills, whatever. <clears throat> but actually, you know, business education in many ways changed my life and opened up so many doors that it's allowed me to do stuff. But I was able to do that because I'd managed to escape a lot of the things holding me back. But also because, for instance, we don't have kids, I had time to do it the old fashioned way and just read hundreds of books and go out and practice and do things. But the truth is a lot of people have barriers which hold them back and prevent their talents. And these are really good talents of people. So the whole reason why Roadmap MBA exists is to help people have the roadmap to grow their business or career. But importantly, that people, anyone anywhere in the world can act, can learn completely for free um, in a way that will just to help them achieve their own kind of goals. And I know from some of our mutual friends and past conversations to do with a lot of disabled entrepreneurs, there's a whole extra tier of challenge there because often their energy bills are even higher for support of different kit. They have, you know, sometimes uh, harder challenges to get around or maybe that they don't want to leave the house or whichever. But the point is, it's that I'm with you. It, it was almost how can we create a universal support system which is commercially sustainable? It's not just asking for handouts, but actually that wants to do social good. So when I heard about Purple Sock Day, I just instantly wanted to to support and then the plug to anyone that gets involved. I think our code's PSD23, which is Purple Sock Day 23. And basically anyone who watches this can get free access to all the Roadmap MBA stuff or just drop me a message on social. But it was just, I instantly understood what it was and what you were trying to do. And I, I think it's awesome. Um, so can you tell people almost where can they find socks, buy socks? What's the plan for the rollout this year? If the plan the plan for the rollout um this year and and I, and I also I, I should say as well see just before I uh, uh, blatantly plug that and thank you you know but um I think as well I have a, a great deal of thanks to you as well because um you know it really also expanded my thinking in terms of how we can um benefit more across purple sock day you know to extend to business education mm -hmm. as well as obviously support in terms of you know setting up a business and and all of that and you're right it's so important and you know and often you know inaccessible or not taught and you know and it, it is so important and i think the work that you're doing at roadmap mba is just phenomenal and i'm just delighted to have the opportunity you know to work with you and that purple sock day can also you know work in tandem with the great work that you're doing as well and uh, and hopefully this is something we can really grow um we uh just uh recently launched um purple sock day on the bam website um so uh our socks can be uh purchased i i think i mentioned they're six pounds a pair mm -hmm. um you can go onto the bam website uh there's a landing page which is bamboo clothing dot co dot uk i'm pointing to the link in case you wondered what i was doing <laughs> <laughs> and then it's forward slash purple hyphen sock uh doc uh hi um people uh, can see day. it we have a link on the yeah, thing and they can click it people know what to do yeah they can see it 
So it's all there um, and we'll be running this uh, throughout up until um, uh, the 3rd of December, which is the International Day of People um, um, of Disabled People. Um, so the socks will be on sale between now and then. We've got three beautiful designs, uh, you know, a couple of stripey numbers and our new retro design. Um, and uh, yeah, so the more pairs you buy, then, um, you know, again, the more that we can raise into the fund mm -hmm. and the more that we can then obviously support uh, budding disabled entrepreneurs. I would also say, Stephen, you're right. Um, just a final point as well, which is quite unique, I think, to um disabled community you know so you know i you know there are many many barriers holding back um you know dis, you know budding disabled entrepreneurs um but there is something quite unique in, in, in the sense of you know that if you have a disability um you you have to jump through many many ho hoops uh to receive some benefits you know some state benefits you know to help you um you know and many of those state benefits you know are sort of grounded in the fact that you know that you're perhaps not employed mm -hmm. um or it restricts you to a certain number of hours of employment so and for many of us who are not disabled you know and perhaps we are we do have an idea or we have a little side hustle or whatever you know there's no inhibitors for us to sort of follow that dream or follow that idea you know without any form of you know, sort of retribution if that, you know, if that flies or it doesn't. But I think something that's really, really um, terrifying and off-putting for many disabled people is that there's no shortage of ideas, but I think the system um, would go against them that if they had a little side hustle uh, and they were found, you know, to be generating income from that side hustle, it would jeopardise their, you know, their state benefits and their state benefits and their state payments. Um, and that's a huge risk. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge life risk. If you can imagine, you know, that uh, why why would you do that if you're going to lose something that you could no longer afford, you know, um, your heating or, you know, on your day to day. So I think there are some, you know, real systemic um, barriers, you know, um, that is probably more from policymaking, um, you know, that can really help and support budding disabled entrepreneurs to allow them you know, to, you know, have a side hustle to to, to create some ideas without fear of retribution. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think, um, you know, that in addition to all the other things that you described earlier, Steve, um, you know, I think will go a, a long way, you know, to, uh, you know, enable more and more uh, brilliant disabled entrepreneurs to bring their businesses uh, to life, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, and that will solve, you know, a number of other uh, issues, you know, such as the, you know, the disability, the disability employment gap, you know, my, my view is that if we have more disabled owned businesses, we're more, they're more likely to employ disabled people, mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, so there are so many um, benefits, you know, to, you know, to really support and galvanize, um, you know, our disabled talent. No, cool. Have you ever had any traction with the supermarkets? Because I think that's one of the big things that both um, on Red Nose Day, but also with the poppy appeal. And it, it, I'm just trying to, the entrepreneur in me always, you know, wants to think, how could we do this bigger, better? Because it's just it's such an incredible cause. And I think the price point's right. And it's just, it's it's how just to get huge traction is the, is the dream. I, th I think so. And and that's our next um, challenge for Purple Sock Day is to really, you know, sort of, uh, I suppose, you know, go from the margins to the mainstream, mm -hmm. you know, and we had a little bit of um, um, luck uh, and well, not luck, but, uh, you know, a little bit of help in our campaign last year. Um, you Some know, famous celebrities to, uh, I've seen. Yeah. Thanks to the wonderful folks at News UK. 
um you know so we managed to um you know our sort you know on to uh chris evans and graham norton and my goodness the power of celebrity is incredible mm-hmm. isn't it it's uh it's amazing so we want to try and do do more of that um i think you know in terms of wider distribution for retail including supermarkets i think you're absolutely right um steve you know there are some other sort of considerations there in terms of you know in terms of pricing and trying to keep it affordable and you know and also still having a degree of liberation creative license mm-hmm. all of those things you know mm-hmm. so there are kind of pros and cons there but but i think broadly what you suggested you're absolutely right i think for us now is the amplification um is to get it out there to a to a wider audience um because you know with purple sock day you know we're serving we're trying to we're trying to serve two two aims really one of course is to generate proceeds to support you know budding disabled entrepreneurs but on the other side is raising awareness for disability inclusion on the international day of disabled people so as many people as we can you know to wear socks and be aware of the day and what follows is to be aware of disability and be more cognizant of everything, you know, then, you know, that's what we want to try and achieve as well. And I think you made a very good point earlier, you know, wearing our socks, you can do that for more than one day as well. So it's a good reminder throughout the course of the rest of the year as well about, uh, you know, why you're wearing those socks and why you bought those socks. No, I love it. I love it. And I just think it's it's one of those great causes that for me, it ticks all the boxes and I like how it's done. And you mentioned at the start about how with the, say, uh, the Windsor event and the different live events, it's about the the partnerships and the amplification with other charities to really help just take it to that next level and i know you've done really great stuff with sports teams and there's some ideas there and i won't steal your thunder or share your thunder on some of the other stuff but i just for me personally it's nice to work with good people that want to do good stuff if that makes sense and i I think it's almost the yeah likewise you know how we both raise money but also raise awareness so we have a few more interviews lined up would you like to almost share for the ones that we've got confirmed and booked in a bit about who you are or who they are what we're looking to kind of achieve with the interviews yeah abs- uh, absolutely so i think next up i think i'm right in saying i think i've mentioned him already is uh, is dave gordon yep uh dave is the founder of bam clothing bamboo clothing um he is uh, a really remarkable guy and uh yeah and hopefully you'll uh, mm-hmm. you can also get to talk to him about his pole vaulting as well steve you should definitely talk to him about that he's an incredible pole vaulter would you believe but a great entrepreneur um we also then have uh, mark esho who is uh, another phenomenal entrepreneur really successful based in the uh, based in the east midlands in in leicester um, he has a remarkable story and doing brilliant work and also another one, Steve, who has basically done super well in his own business, but now giving back yep. uh, and and creating uh, an incredible uh, organization to, again, support uh, budding disabled entrepreneurs as well. He's, he's absolutely brilliant. Um, and then we have, uh, my goodness, the one and only uh, doctor now, Dr. Shani Danda. Um, who I've had the great pleasure of knowing for many, many years. And it's just been, you know, um, how Shani has, uh, you know, sort of lit, her career has just really ignited recently, you know, across many things. You know, she's a campaigner, she's an actress, uh, she's on, uh, she's a a TV uh, presenter, um, but she's also, um, she's a consultant, uh, but she's also a brilliant, brilliant entrepreneur as well. 
Um, and again, um, she is omnipresent. She is a real force of nature, such a lovely, lovely person. And, um, you know, and uh, she is, uh, I'm so pleased that she's able to join you as well, Steve, to uh, to chat about her um, her journey. She's amazing. Yeah, me too. And just funnily enough, so Apricorn, who's in Thailand, who I mentioned before, she said that the socks have a beautiful design, but unfortunately in Thailand, they don't wear socks. So we can come up with a, maybe purple flip-flops or something for the tropical climates but it's still it's an interesting point and thank you for getting in touch but on the the guests you know blatantly it's a it's a blatant promotion for purple sock day between now and third of december but also just on a visibility point of view i like to talk to interesting people and learn more about you and them and their story and how they got there but i think especially now with the internet because you definitely but me also there was a point when it didn't exist you know it was almost i remember the first time i ever went on the internet it was in like 1997 i think but it's almost now people can discover people that look like them sound like them that have done things that they want to do and it's just for me that's a major part of why we do this is that i've interviewed bbc radio one presenters and fashion designers and you name it just different people because it's it's cool i love sharing people's stories so yeah, over the next kind of few weeks, we've got a few guests lined up, maybe some more if we can squeeze them in. And I just, you know, it'll be really nice to share their story and almost help promote their businesses and stuff as well. So before I go on to the last uh, few questions, part of the kind of interview, for you yourself, you've had a very varied career. You started in Qantas, you've obviously worked in France and you did lots of different stuff. You've involved with several charities that we haven't mentioned yet and different organizations. But almost for you and yourself and your lovely wife, what's the dream for the future? What do you, what gets you out of bed every day? And almost what do you want to achieve moving forward? I think, um, you know, the the, motiv <clears throat> the motivating force now, you know, as, um, you know, and I guess, Steve, you know, and I think you mentioned earlier, you know, I'm a little older than you, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> um, so, you know, and, and I think as as one advances in years, should I say, you know, you, you of course you do become a lot more purposeful, but actually, you know, you then are very, um, very much aware, um, I guess, of your of, of, of your own timeline. Mm -hmm. And so my the, the focus is is very much more has become much, much more action orientated. Yeah. And I think that was one of the, the motivating forces for, for creating parallel. Um, you know, I personally find it really liberating to be able to create campaigns and events that you you believe in and can run and you can create, you know, some actionable points. And I think for me, you know, that's a, that is a, a common frustration. You know, um, you know, there is, um, you know, you know, too much debate, too much talking, not enough action. So I think, you know, what what certainly gets gets us up, you know, in the morning is to, you know, kind of create activities events campaigns you know thinking that can drive some actionable mm -hmm. um change you know that that's really tangible you know and that was you know again the you know some of the re the re the reasoning behind you know the campaigns and everything that we're doing for for you know for parallel you know that there is a, a tangible outcome mm -hmm. um and also ways in which we can tackle um you know the system as well systemic changes you know so you know so trying to tackle tackle the causes rather than the symptoms and and so often i think you know we we have a propensity to tinker around you know the cause uh, the the symptoms rather than the causes so um so th that's what you know kind of motivates me is you know is to create 
activities, events, campaigns, you know, that are actionable, you know, that have an outcome. Um, and, you know, and I think for me as well, I hope, you know, that, for example, some of our work, you know, for example, with, um, you know, with Parallel Windsor, um, you know, it has a legacy. And I very much hope that Parallel Windsor, you know, Steve, you know, uh, not to be too maudlin about things, but, you know, I hope it outlives me, you know, that Parallel Windsor will become, you know, an annual national event that mm -hmm. will run and run and run and live on. Um, and that's, um, you know, that that's a good thought for me as well, you know, to create something that has a legacy, mm -hmm. that's something that's tangible, tangible um you know and uh you know and and of course i think for all of us as well you know something that we can all kind of feel proud about um as well like i am conscious of time and i could talk to you all day because i wanted to almost dig in more because over your 27 years in business doing events and everything that you've done like i, I mentioned before the call but i spoke to someone earlier today that been through times of challenge and i imagine you know in your journey both business wise but also with parallel I imagine there's been so many ups and downs and setbacks and do we keep going? Do we give up? What do we do? But like I know personally now quite a few of your team that sit behind the scenes, we jump on calls together. And I think realistically, people always say that there's nothing more enduring than an idea. And it's that element of where it's planting the seed that you don't know and I don't know. People that could be inspired from things they see, that's things you know they do that you never, they never funnily enough nowadays, Nobody ever tells you that they appreciate what you're doing. So I'm going to take this opportunity to say that I appreciate what you're doing. But also, I, th I think it definitely will last. And if it doesn't, the socks are really cool as well. So I'm going to keep buying them. Regardless. Um, so as part of every interview, I have some questions that I like to, to ask. For me, it's the most of the, kind of my favorite part of the interview. And it's completely selfish, selfish. And I get to learn from your kind of past experience. But if you were to give advice to your younger self, and you can pick the guy that didn't go to university and probably chasing, uh, you know, people around France and having fun as a teenager and whichever, or all the way through. If you were to give advice to your younger self, what would it be? Wow, my goodness. Uh, what would that be? Um, well, actually, um, the, the best advice I've ever received is actually about advice. And uh, and that was something along the line as hardly anybody. In fact, I don't know anybody that will ever refuse you if you ask for advice. So never be shy of asking for advice. Now, many people may say no if you ask for help or for money or mm -hmm. for everything. But mm -hmm. actually, if you ask for somebody for their advice, they are in my experience, always very willing to give you their advice. So I think my advice to my younger self and, and indeed to anybody who might be listening is, you know, if, you know, don't be afraid to ask for advice and um, you'll be surprised that pretty much everybody, in fact, everybody, I'm going to bet my granny's gold teeth on this, um, will be happy to give you their advice. I think it's good and it's true you know genuinely the, the amount of i make a special point unless i think it's ai even if people do like a sales pitch i had one to do with uh, travel support and assistance earlier on i always go back to them but i explain why it's not right for me just you know it's that kind of and even ironically do you ever get cold uh, phone calls i decided to answer one the other day and it was a guy trying to sell me something so I, I heard him out but then i explained why it wasn't fit for me but he was a very nice guy and we connected on linkedin because I still appreciated his hustle that he worked for a sales outsourcing company and that's a really tough gig. 
but as a person behind the phone call he was a really good guy and that for me is just you know we often all work in our busy lives and our networks and we all do the stuff that we do but often it's my belief that people are still inherently good not everyone but you know most people and you never know there might not be an immediate link today but it might be in two years it could be in 10 years and then you're the perfect person to solve a problem that they have or vice versa and that thing is that is the value in building relationships with people that I think that's part of the reason I love to do this is just to kind of speak to people so you actually took my second question as well <laughs> for the for the last bit but I think it, again it's a really good answer so I can't fault it um so where can people find you how can they uh, buy socks is there anything you would like to talk about or plug before we go I think, I think for now is um, is the socks, of course, is the is the main campaign, um, you know, Purple Sock Day, hashtag Purple Sock Day. So, um, you know, you can tag us there. If anybody would like to get get in touch, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm there. So my main thing is LinkedIn and Twitter, my main sort of social uh, social outlets as well. So anybody would like to get in touch, uh, I'd love to hear from you. And uh, that would be great. Um, and uh, well, I think I can mention now we're going to as well our event, Parallel Windsor. Um, we are going to launch our public uh, um, registration uh, on Thursday. I'm happy wow. to say so. Uh, so Parallel Windsor will be on the seventh of July in the Windsor Great Park uh, next year as well. So uh, I'd love, um, yeah, for for as many people to come, or if there's anybody looking who might want to get involved in the festival or uh anything really um yeah please uh please get in touch cool well i appreciate your time it's been lovely to chat today and hopefully it hasn't taken too much time out of your monday um so between now and 3rd of december we're probably going to do lots more of this and you'll see me promote lots more stuff and probably lots of photos doing holding things like these um <laughs> but again for me it's a really good cause there's a really good team behind it it's ran really well the mission's good but also i, I fundamentally understand the challenges that people face that you're looking to help and I think it's a really important thing to actually put focus into because it's that element of where it's also sustainable giving in a way that if you can help it's the classic adage of if you can teach a man to fish you know if it's rather than handing people a fish if you can teach them to fish or teach them some of their business that is a long-term uh, life-changing community-changing impact that I know it's what you want to achieve as well. So Andrew, thank you for your time today. Uh, if you stay on the call, we'll have a quick chat afterwards. And thank you to anyone that kind of tuned in. Uh, hopefully see you soon. All right, cheers guys. Bye-bye.